permission to just do an audible so that way I wouldn't do the same Running thing. Like, like I'm telling you, I, I should have like a total new grill. Oh. With fake teeth of just like tripping over stuff. My right? entire office, everything yeah. is glass. And I mean, I can't tell you how many times at this time, at this point, I don't even think it's like out of the norm. I just expect that once a week I'm going to run into the glass wall. But um, I was reading this book, The Hard Thing About Hard Things. And this guy had said something about how every CEO scores an average of 22 out of 100. And the problem is, is that no one tells you that the average is 22 out of 100. So you constantly think that you're failing and every problem is your fault. Um, and, you, you know, especially as a founding CEO or as a startup CEO, you're also doing nine roles and that starts to weigh on your conscience. So I think managing your own psychology is probably your biggest demon. Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook. The podcast where we welcome business leaders, CEOs, and industry experts to discuss the rise to the top, building wealth, and real estate insights. Here's your host, Jeremy Spann. Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook. For more information on this episode, you can go to myexperiencedrealtor.com. That's experience with an ED. Myexperiencedrealtor.com. When you get to the landing page, in the top right corner is a thing called podcast. Click on that. You can scroll down to any and all episodes, follow, subscribe to all of these, whether it be on iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, YouTube. Then you can click on the read more button to find out about great, fantastic guests like we have today, Sydney Phillips. Welcome, Sydney. Hello. I'm so excited to be here with you. I am excited <laughs> that you are here. We got a record-breaking youngest CEO ever. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. So just so the audience fully understands, Sydney, how old are you? I'm 21. 21? Yep. In 21? Yes. So basically, 2020 has shown up with their younger, more annoying brother who's legal age to drink. Now, 2021, it says, hold my beer. Let me show you I can do worse in 2020. Let me show you what <laughs> businesses I can start now. Yeah. Uh. So... The audience is going to be really excited to hear about you and what I'll call a short journey. Yeah. Since <laughs> I got three decades on you. And I know how much you love it when people look at you and go, Sydney, you're so young. <laughs> I could see the annoyance. That's an annoy. That's that's a laughter of I want to oh. kill you for saying it. How does that make you feel when when people say that? I mean, to be honest, I'm proud that I'm so young and and have done as much as I have. But at the same time, I mean, I think that being in a room, especially in real estate and coming from, you know, a commercial real estate background in investing and development, I mean, I'm used to being the youngest in the room by decades. Um, most of my business partners, most of the people that I do business with on a daily basis are people that are old enough to either be my dad or my grandpa. Um, Thanks. Look at me. Thanks. They look at me like their grandchild or like their daughter. So I think kind of proving yourself and and at least you know showing, hey, no, 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 I'm your I'm your business partner, not your sweetie or your honey. Um, <laughs> call me your business partner, not your sweetie. Um, has been challenging to say the least. But yeah. I think that at 21, you know, I'm starting to. I, I look a lot different than I did at 14 when I started. In this thing. <laughs> so, so I look a little bit less like a kid. And so I think it's kind of, it's matured as I've, as I've grown up in the industry as well. Have I ever made you feel that way? No, 
All right. No. So as the audience, because one of the episodes we recorded is someone you and I keep on speed dial, Landon Loker, because you yeah. keep a defense attorney. You never know when you're going to need one. We were talking about some controversial topics where people, I'm sure, on that episode are going to be like, oh, you're just this despicable person and not realize that, hey, guess what? Somebody I am mentoring mm-hmm. is a 21-year-old female who's the CEO who has seen more success before you were old enough to be legal to buy alcohol than 100 people will see in a lifetime all added together. And Thank that you. is... You're an you are such an impressive person. So before I start any of these, mm-hmm. my father-in-law says I got to do a joke. Oh no! So I'm going to do a joke. You ready? <laughs> and I think this one, I think this one is a fitting. It's a knock-knock joke. You ready? Okay, Sydney? I like it. Sydney, knock-knock. Who's there? Opportunity. Opportunity. Who? Don't be silly. Opportunity doesn't knock twice. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like that one. That's that's a cheesy dad joke. Hell yeah. You I know, like it. I am giving everybody a plethora of dad jokes to go home and tell because I am not going to make it as a stand-up comedian. I think we're prob- probably <laughs> well aware of that. But also, I am wearing my TCU shirt because you and I are alumni of the same university. Mm-hmm. Go Frogs. Go yes. Frogs. I just graduated um, about a month ago, a semester early with entrepreneurship and innovation. And I can tell you one thing. My college experience was probably not like anybody else's. Tell me about that. What do you mean by that? Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, my story starts really, really young. I started in commercial real estate when I was 14. Um, I'm my, sorry? How old? <laughs> 14. 14. Yes. Okay. You started mm-hmm. in commercial real estate when you were 14 years old. Yeah. Hold on. Math for Marines, you know that <laughs> I, 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 I would have to eat crayons, right? <laughs> All right, I, I'm just going to do this only to be funny because you and I can joke around about this. So 14 times 365 days. So you had been on the planet for 5,110 days. Mm-hmm. It started. And started doing commercial real estate. It's awesome. I love this. Um, my story started kind of grim, though. I mean, my so my family had a commercial real estate investing company. Um, we had a total of two grocery stores. and um, Where was this at? Kansas City. So I was okay. born and raised in Kansas City. Um, we, my dad passed away really suddenly and he had a heart attack. And I mean, it was just overnight. It was like, we have to run the businesses. Um, and I have to figure out how to get to school. And I also don't know how to turn on the washer and dryer. So I just kept ordering clothes to wear every single day that were new because I didn't know how to turn on the washer and dryer. So I was, I was fully, um, figuring out life and, and, um, Skipping history class, my, my mother still doesn't know that I skipped most of my history classes through all of high school um, to go to Barnes & Noble and read real estate books. Uh, and I ran that commercial real estate company all throughout high school. Um, when I got to college, I realized how difficult it was for women to get funding. I was in New York and I was at this big fancy job with Goldman Sachs and everything. And And by anybody else's measures, you know, that's like oh, this is awesome. And I was bored to tears. Um, I was waiting for five o'clock every single day. And I had started a cocktail company. And so I realized how hard it was to get funding um, and started Daring Greatly. So that's kind of when I started my first investment company. And since then, I've done commercial real estate development. Um, uh, Obviously, the commercial real estate investing, um, 
And of course, Zucuri, which is my augmented and virtual reality company that just launched. Well, we're going to come back to those. Yeah. There's a lot to talk about there. So yeah. you're 14. Dad passes away suddenly. That's not the norm behavior or response of someone who's 14 to jump in and start running companies to, to tell us more about that. That's that I mean, the audience that's listening or watching right now is probably here's what, here's what they're probably thinking. Bullshit. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what they're thinking. They're thinking no way. The phone. Right. Mm-hmm. Like no way. So what talk, talk to us about that. Like what made you go? Nope. It's time for me. And why you? Yeah. I mean, so I had, I'm an only child on my dad's side of the family. Um, and, and growing up, I mean, I grew up in business. I grew up going on stages, talking to people. Um, I'm also a former pageant girl. So I was in, you know, Miss Candace Teen USA and went around and shared my platform. I mean, being in the spotlight was always just a given for me. Um, and business was secondhand nature. I mean, my, a normal dinner table conversation for us is what stocks did you buy today? And, you know, what real estate are you buying this month? And I mean, that like money is I talk about money all the time because I'm genuinely interested in it. Um, we talk about business and probably scenarios that you're not supposed to talk about business because I love it and I want to know more about it. Um, so when my dad passed away, it was really just a natural progression for me. I didn't think anything else. I mean, obviously, my life changed from caring about boys and prom and, you know, uh, what friends are going to this person's house during the weekend. And I truly grew up from 14 to 40 um, overnight. Uh, And my responsibilities totally changed. I had this sense of bringing on the family legacy and that it was my duty. Um, I know as a third generation, normally third generations, they're like, bye, we're done. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to live off of this and have a fabulous life. And to me, me the perpetuity, I'm good. I'll be at the beach. Yeah. And to me, to me, it was, if I start at the top, then I can climb the ladder even further. And maybe I can reach places that other people haven't ever been able to go to. You've already done that in pre- <laughs> by present day than people could ever dream of, right? Yeah. So let's talk about this nonfiction story yep. that people think is fiction because it's mm-hmm. not. Is So how do you run companies at 14? Like, What were some of the daily activities you were doing? Oh, it was insane. So I would, I would wake up around 5, get ready for school. I would go to the school library at like 6 a.m. Um, and that's when I would answer all of the emails and deal with everybody in the teams and, um, and to be honest, research because I had no idea what I was doing. I mean, I was truly thrown in and they always say, you know, you learn to be CEO by being CEO. No, no, no. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, every day was winging it. So, um, I would research and I would and I would study books and study great leaders and and look at some of their tactics. And um, I mean, thank gosh, most of my teachers were very understanding. But I mean, literally every hour was every minute was efficiency packed. And every single um, thing that I did had to have an intention and a purpose behind it. So like I ran for, you know, junior class vice president and I was class president and all these things. And, and I did those things so that I would understand how to organize. And maybe I would learn from teachers, you know, what project management tools to use and how to talk to a team better or whatever else. So I did a lot of these things that were more low risk in school environments that then I could test them in this low risk environment and then put them into the businesses. 
And that's really how I managed both of them because it was like, all right, you get a test run here. It's kind of like your beta here in school. Um, and you can still achieve and, you know, still get into the right colleges and everything else and keep your grades up. But, uh, I mean, you can you couldn't care about A's. You had to kind of just accept that you weren't going to get A's. Um, and then I would actually implement them into the businesses in real life after I had tested them out in, in the school setting that was low risk. So how were people of the company responding to someone that's 14? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, not everyone was thrilled about it, um, which understandably so. I mean, if I was 40 years old and had kids and a wife, and if some little 14-year-old barged in in a suit and tried to tell me how to, how to do my job, I mean, I'd probably be pissed, too. I get it. Um, at the same time, I mean, most of our businesses, they knew my family. Most of the people in the, the business, you know, at least in, in high school, it, it was a family-ran company. So they understood, and they were like, all right, we'll let you kind of figure this out for a moment. Um, and had some grace period, but I mean, you really have to be so secure in who you are because who you are is attacked every day. Um, and, and questioned as well. Uh, I'm very used to being questioned and now I welcomed it. I think in the beginning, you know, you see it as criticism and you're like, oh, they don't think I can do this job. Um, and it's like, as soon as you're confident and you're like, no, 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 I know I can do this job. Then it doesn't matter if people question you. Because you're like, let me answer your question. Let so naturally, you had to have some help along the way, right? Because oh, yeah. there's just, whether you're 14 <laughs> years old or only been in business for 14 years, there is a level of things out there that you had to have someone or some people giving helping you with some guidance. Who Who is that? My grandfather. Um, 100%. He is a retired CEO. We talk every day still to this day. Um, and I mean, he really taught me how to, how to command, how to make decisions that are very, very hard. Um, and he taught me what it means to be a leader. Uh, we talk every single day still, even now, as I've ran, uh, six companies, some without him, some with him in it. But, uh, yeah, it's, my grandfather is is my my complete rock. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, even even with all of this is you're not a robot as much as I think sometimes you would like to be a robot <laughs> or probably as we would agree sometimes you rather deal with robots, right? Yeah. Is so there's a lot of hormones and everything else that goes to evolving as a human being, mm-hmm. right? From the age of 14 all the way up to well, me we won't say almost 50. <laughs> so the body's changing, the brain's changing, chemistry even within us is changing, mm-hmm. everything's going on. Does that play any sort of impact, whether it was helping or deterrent? And if it was a deterrent, was it, did you find some workarounds to get around that? Does that make sense? Does that question make sense? Yeah, yeah. I think it was actually more helpful to go through that kind of life-changing, life-molding, if you will, event at such an age where you're you're changing every single day because I can say for sure that I am so comfortable in my feminine and my masculine energy. And I think that that's why I've been able to get so much done. Um, I also think that that's why I have this desire and this drive to start as many things as I do and to do the things that 
other people pass off as hard and difficult. Like to me, I, I, we've talked about this, you know, in our mentor sessions, but I'm a masochist. If I, if I win, winning isn't enough for me. If I, if I don't win with dirt on my face and blood dripping down my head, I don't want it. Like I want it to be hard. Um, which is why I've gone into things like finance and real estate and tech, three of the most male dominated um, and money intensifying industries. There are the most cutthroat. So and now I, for the audience, I, I've got a benefit here because I know you. So mm-hmm. so without trying to make these questions sound loaded where I may or may not already know the answers to mm-hmm. is. So they understand it. you, you have a much more different view when people hear, oh, masculinity versus, you know, femininity and all, all, all this, right? Some yeah. people are thinking blue versus pink. Break it down for us what you see in that. Yeah. I mean, I think you have to be extremely comfortable in, in both of your energies um, to be able to at least, for, for me at least, to be able to win. So, so for instance... I'm a total girly girl. I love the color pink. I do full hair and glam every day. I love a good high heel, okay? But I also love race car driving. And I can hang with the men and, and you know, let's go golfing. Let me, let me prove to you that I can, I can score a little better than you, do a 93. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think that there's a certain level of, of whenever you enter into a workforce, you know, there's certain, there's certain roles that are more feminine, uh, like, you know, organizing tasks and um, getting everybody organized. And, and normally these, these more masculine um, energy or, or roles are given to, you know, top executives. They're the CEOs, the CFOs. And I think that that's the reason why there's such a, a gap in, in the placements is because people think, okay, if I'm, if I'm a girl and if I, if I walk into this place and if I act like a boy, then they're not going to take me seriously. Um, or if I act too much like a girl, then they're not going to take me seriously. I think it's, it's the perfect combination of switching between those energies and understanding when to use each. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm very aggressive. I'm very dominant and stubborn. And I used to think that those things were bad. And as a kid, I was always taught that those things were bad and that I was supposed to you know, cheer everybody on. And I was supposed to wait my turn in line. And the boys don't wait their turn in line. They cut you. So cut them back. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> I just think that the way that we raise boys and girls are very different. And so whenever they get into the workforce, they, they're taught, you know, wait your turn, wait till you get promoted. Yeah. Um, be quiet. Only say things whenever you have something smart to say. If you've ever sat around a board table with a bunch of um, retired CEOs, which is mostly, you know, the commercial real estate investment realm. I mean, that's, they're all retired C, like C-suite execs. Um, when you sit around a table with them, you realize very quickly that none of them are thinking about what they're saying before they say it. And then I look at the, the same women in their positions and, and they're filtering through and they're only going to say things that are extremely important. And half the time they'll completely brush over. So, in reality, we all have limitations as human beings, whether it be a physical limitation, a mental limitation, any of these things that are out there, right? We can't do everything, right? So are there any roles that you 
either outsource or try to avoid because of those limitations? Or what do you do when you encounter limitations? First of all, I'll say this. I hate limitations. Um, sometimes I will, I will purposely put myself down a rabbit hole just to prove that that's not a limit of mine. Um, which I just, my mentor, I'm sure you know. And I'm making a note. Mm-hmm. We're going to come back to that one on the next <laughs> coaching session. But um, I think detail, anything that's, that's super granular, detail-oriented, task-oriented, um, I can do, but I don't love it. I love the big picture, the vision. Let me strategize and show you what this is going to turn into in 20 years. Let me show you how we're going to map you know, habitation on Mars for Zucuri. Let me show you how we're going to do all of these things. And then I need somebody else to say, these are the tasks that we do to get there. Um, Did I just hear you say you don't like details? <laughs> yeah. So for the audience to have a full understanding of this, uh, if you're first time listening, go back, listen to Culture Index Survey with Stanton Williams. Well, Sydney and I share the same results with the exception of her eye trait is higher than mine. She sees the world in a three-dimensional arena, which makes it very frustrating for her to try to explain why anybody else can't see, like much like the movie The Matrix. Why don't you see this, right? Yeah. But we're wired the same way. And actually, less than 2% of the planet is wired just like you and I, which is actually probably a good thing. Or else it looked like scenes out of the Book of Eli, because have been, don't push the red button. Of course, we're going to push the red button and then just, we would probably destroy the planet so we could rebuild it back the way we wanted it to, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so with that being said is when you come across, because I'm right there with you, right? I, mm-hmm. I, I hate running into limitations mm-hmm. or when somebody says, you can't do that. And our initial response is, hold my beer. Watch, watch me. This, mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and it, but, but. But the more acumen we get, the more experience we get, the more season we get, we start to realize, hey, instead of trying to prove the world wrong, let me outsource this or let me find a workaround for this, mm-hmm. right? Because at the end of the day, one of the things people wired like you and I, like many people on the planet, but especially people wired like you and I is we want to go bigger, faster, stronger, smoother, more efficient, as fast as possible, yep. right? Mm-hmm. To be able to achieve that. So now you're, you're, you're coming up through all these events in life, getting through high school, right? <laughs> Apparently, relationships were the top of your mind, right? No. Oh, God. <laughs> no. Not even in the slightest. Oh. Now, is it, now, is it because you were driven to go do something or just had no interest in even wanting to deal with relationships? I think it's honestly because I I always envisioned um, getting there with this army of other people that were like me, um, if you will, underdogs. I always envisioned getting there with, with this entire army of like a billion other people that I did something for that I may not know all of their names, but they know mine. Um, so to me, having a partner in crime and, and a, a, you know, a husband or a wife, whatever, was not important to me. To me, it was about impacting so many more people than just one. 
to me, like putting that much time into one person was like, oh, I could build so many more companies to help a billion people than just investing time in one person. So let's unpack that one. <laughs> what is it about you wanting to make a difference for other people? Uh, you know, I think that it's, it's, it's a combination of the nature and nurture thing. Um, I do think ever since I was a kid, I've always wanted just for the world to know my name. Um, and, and not in a fame way or, you know, please, you know, bow down to whatever in a way of, I want people to show up at my funeral that I'd never met that I changed their life dramatically. Um, and that is truly the purpose behind every single business. And you know where humanity I'm gonna, forward. You know where I'm going to go with this. Yeah. Is that because you lost your dad at 14? Oh, 100%. I think when you face morbidity and when you face death at such a young age, you want success, get really comfortable with death. Um, very, very comfortable with it. When when you search your own death and when you imagine, you know, your own funeral and everything else, puts everything into perspective. You don't sweat the small stuff. It's not important. Your prom, yeah, not really important. Um, that fancy, you know, convertible car that you want, yeah, not really important. Go do important things. Um, for me, facing that at such a young age completely changed my mind where if it does not impact the world, I'm not doing it. I'm not wasting a second of my time. So one of the things that the audience has to understand here, <laughs> my fascination with not just your success in a short time, and I'm using time as relative, not 21. I'm talking about seven years, yeah. right? So whether you're 21 or not, just short, maybe eight thirty. Uh, however, math for Marines till I would hit 51, right? Because it's more about a seven-year period, right? Yeah. So in seven years, right? And and which is funny because this was actually going to be this week's coaching session. But as you know, I had to catch a flight from my Colorado house back here. and um, But that was going to be one of the topics, which was one of the challenges you face is people see you being female. And people see you being 21 and that's what they're seeing. And so my job that I feel is to help you be able to articulate experience in a way that other people might be able to process mm -hmm. to get past this image of 21 and female. Right. Yeah. And so I'm giving you a prequel to what we're going to talk about Monday okay. is <laughs> seven years of experience. That's yeah. a lot of experience. Just so when it comes to the business world, mm -hmm. you ready for this one? I'm ready. All right. You ready for this? All right. Is I, you know, as you know, I was in the Marines and then I was in the PD and, you know, I, of course, little entrepreneur things, restaurant and all that, but I did not enter the business world officially until 2014. So when we had to break down the math on this, Sydney, we I've got, at the same time. you got a year on me. <laughs> How am I coaching you 
when you have a year of business acumen before me. Oh, I love it. You got That's something awesome. on me again. That's awesome. Yeah, you got an extra year. So seven years of business acumen, right? Mm-hmm. So... That's really where I was going to go Monday that we'll talk about. So we're not going to spend too much time making sausage out of that. But is seven years of business acumen of being able to sit there. Now, in seven years of business, I'm sure you've done everything completely right. Oh, God. No. <laughs> Are you perfect, Sydney? No. You're not. not at all. Are you human? Uh, Have you made some mistakes? I would mistakes? like to not be. I know. I know. <laughs> Have you had some failures a lot let's talk about let's let's talk about some of those like Ugh. what it when because i think it's a fair statement to say is when folks like you and i experience failure we don't really see it as failure we see it as a learning opportunity to level our, level ourselves up to the next level right mm-hmm. so give me an example of in that seven years of experience year longer than mine uh <laughs> that you, give me an example of a failure that allowed you to learn that helped launch you forward yeah, I mean, starting Zucuri, first of all, was one of the hardest things I've ever done. Okay, before we go into starting to do that, yeah. let's explain to the audience what Zucuri is. Okay, so Zucuri is an augmented and virtual reality company that develops uh, real estate, whether it's local or all the way across the world, built or unbuilt. So it's basically a visualization tool for real estate um, to communicate, market, and sell. And it was developed by me and two of my engineers, uh, Omar Aragon and Chris Barg, because I was so frustrated at ho- how slow real estate moved. Um, I just couldn't believe that here we are. We've got real estate and tech are the top reason why people become billionaires. And, and there's so much money here. And yet this thing moves at a snail speed. You've got to be kidding me. Um, and... Yeah, I started it out of frustration of basically just trying to solve my own problems. And I quickly realized everybody else kind of deals with this thing, too. And wouldn't it be faster if we could do this smarter, faster, better, more efficient? Yeah, let's do it. Um, yeah, so that's about Zakuri. Okay, so that's Zakuri. <laughs> mm-hmm. So let's go back to failures that gave you a leap forward. Give me an example of of that. I think, first of all, Communicating your vision in a way that other people can understand it is the biggest challenge that I face as a CEO. Um, I think there's so much in your head, um, just as as a frame of reference, just so that you guys can all see kind of what I see. I see a cloud in my head, and it's at the very top, and that's where all of the ideas and, and the mission and the goals are. And then underneath that is a stock ticker. And I think of this as like my intuition. So like whenever I really need to dig deep and and truly think about something, the stock ticker turns on and that's my intuition. And I and I just read it and it tells me exactly what what I think. Um, And and I can't explain it. It's just a it's an intuitive feeling. Um, And then off of that is is kind of this these tree branches and, and fractals off of that of of each company and how each needs to be operated. And then the the to do's on each one. So that's kind of how my mind works and communicating that to a team where they, A, don't think that you're crazy um, and B, want to be a part of your team is incredibly challenging. Um, Not just your team, but the consumer, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, taking things outside of here and putting them where other people can see them is my greatest 
challenge. And it's and it's something that I, I fall on and sometimes I do well, but I fall on that much more often than I than I succeed at it. And that is hard, right? I mean it is especially when you have a brain that doesn't stop. So to <laughs> further break down what culture the results of the culture index that Sydney and I share is that our C trait, our mm-hmm. sense of urgency Mm-hmm. And our A trait, desire to win, are as far apart on the spectrum as possible. So, in other words, if you're looking at a watch, you have some people that are literally like the day, yeah. <laughs> some that are the hour hand, some that are the minute hand, some that are the second hand, and then you got the millisecond hand, right? Yeah. And that's the way our brains work. That's the way we're going. Deductive thinkers, bigger, faster, stronger. How do we do this? And then as we figure it out in our brain, the challenge for us is being able to articulate that, communicate that. And the way to do that is you got to be able to write it down, which is like being waterboarded with kerosene and Guantanamo Bay, right? Yes. And so that is a big challenge. And it's a challenge for just about any business out there, but especially when you are creating something that did not exist before you created it, right? Yeah. Um. On top of that, every single problem in the business, especially if you're the founding CEO, if you're the founding CEO, every single problem in that business is because of you. <laughs> let's, let's, let's talk about that. And I'm laughing because I totally get this, but let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. It's it's a lot. It's a lot to take on because you know as problems arise, and especially as I've as I've grown this team, and uh, you know our, our beta launch was is January eighth, and launch this thing and, and doing customers and everything. Every single problem in this company is my fault. And, and it's also my responsibility to fix it. Yeah. And, and that starts to weigh on your consciousness. I think if, if CEOs, and I have read this, I'm a reader and a walker. So I walk with my book to, I don't, it's, I don't know. How many how walls have you bumped into? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's the reason I transitioned to just do an audible. So that way I wouldn't do the same Running thing. Like, like I'm telling you, I, I should have like a total new grill oh. where, with fake teeth of just like tripping over stuff. My right? entire office, everything yeah. is glass. And I mean, I can't tell you how many times at this time, at this point, I don't even think it's like out of the norm. I just expect that once a week I'm going to run into the glass wall. But um, I was reading this book, The Hard Thing About Hard Things. And this guy had said something about how every CEO scores an average of 22 out of 100. And the problem is, is that no one tells you that the average is 22 out of 100. So you constantly think that you're failing and every problem is your fault. Um, And, you you know, especially as a founding CEO or as a startup CEO, you're also doing nine roles and that starts to weigh on your conscious. So I think managing your own psychology is probably your biggest demon. Um, And if you can get that down and have people like Jeremy Spann mentor you and figure it out, um, that has tremendously helped me. You know, and and so interesting enough. So last night, so out of we're we're recording this, so we record in series, right? Mm -hmm. So we've had 16 episodes drop. We've got four more that are going to drop. And in this series, by then we'll have been edited and then we'll have another 11 episodes that will and I think it was my fourth episode with Chris Jamison talking about his company, Long Connection. So Chris and I last night were having some beers at Buffalo Brothers, my favorite place to get some wings and some beers. After a six-hour closed-door meeting, I was ready to go get some beers. 
And I actually walked in there at 630 and I said, hey, look, man, I got to be out of here by 830. And because I got to go get some sleep because I knew I was going to be recording all day today. Mm-hmm. And of course, that did not happen. I didn't get home till almost midnight. <laughs> and do you? And by the way, Chris Jameson's episode to date, right, is the second most downloaded episode, which he's like, how does that happen? I was like, I don't know. Has anybody bought a pool yet? And he's like, not yet, but we need to figure that out, right? Yeah. We're always trying to figure out stuff. We're trying to figure out how to translate data. But point being is we stayed a lot longer because somebody came up in conversation. Who do you think that person was? Who? You. Me. You. And here's why. And now here's why. (laughs) Is I think that you encounter two types of people. Mm -hmm. Those that are insecure that only see Sydney, 21-year-old girl that drives you nuts. Honey. Right? Is that what it was? (laughs) Hun. Yeah. 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 Throw up in your mouth. Right? Yeah. And then you have the other side of us that go, here's someone with seven years of business acumen and really, they have a better advantage than us because they, they've they already got seven years of business acumen long before we got our seven years of business acumen. So how do we help you succeed, right? And part of that, too, is we like you said earlier, is going down that little spiral, right? As we want to go it, 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 get this pain, right? Mask uh-huh. is pain. And I was like, no, we need to take the experience that we have to go do and don't do this because guess what? We've already done that pain. We've already done that brain damage. So that way you can go do new pain that we wouldn't even fathom. Like it wouldn't even be a thought bubble to us yet because that's, what's going to gain that. Mm -hmm. And so Chris and I were sitting here talking about, cause you've heard me mention entrepreneur organization, you know, you've heard, you know, the the things you and I talk about in, in, in those weekly sessions it's like things that will help you get there, right? Mm-hmm. Is that's that's the thing is dealing with the two types of people because one of the things I've been working on with you is we can't be in the convincing business, Sydney. <laughs> I right? Know. Not only do you not have the time and energy to be convinced, but you damn sure don't have the time and energy to go convince anybody else. And so you either target the people that are like, hey, I know, I know, I, I I want to sit back and watch how this show goes. Mm-hmm. And then the ones that are in the other camp, either they're going to have to make the switch themselves or, you know what? Asa lasagna, don't get any on you. Because what it is, is people are very insecure in this world, right? Oh, yeah. They're very, they're very envious and jealous. Like, even when people go, wait a minute, you've only had a real estate license for four years and you're already a top producer for Sotheby's and Fort Worth. You did how much, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, how do you do that? I mean, like, I got people who have been decades into this that are like, how do you do that? And I'm just like, hey, look, I, I'm not here to try to make you look bad or anything. What I would like is help have you help me succeed even further mm-hmm. to make a difference. Because while you and I can be seen as hammers, mm-hmm. sledgehammers, maybe even jackhammers, Dark. maybe even <laughs> wrecking balls, yeah. right? But at the same time is you and I have... Maybe not the strongest sensations in empathy, <laughs> right? Like, I'll never forget when my executive coach told me like a year and a half ago, stop it. I was like, stop what? And he's like, stop it. I was like, stop what? And he goes, stop faking that you have empathy because you don't. And I was like, well, that's accurate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, like, Great. but it doesn't mean that we don't care. 
-hmm. We do. We just, the way our minds work is we don't want something that's going to slow us down from being able to deliver things that are valuable for people to change the world. Like you and Mm -hmm. I wake up and believe. The goal is one. Yeah. We can change. We can change things. It doesn't work. We'll fix it. And if it doesn't, that doesn't work. Well, let's just build something that will do it better. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. In seven years, I've built seven businesses. I think about it like this. I have 60 more years of building businesses. If I can build 70 businesses in my lifetime, there's no way that I can't leave here impacting a billion people at the rate I am. I want the audience to let that sink in for a second. That your goal is to affect a billion people. Mm-hmm. That's pretty, one, that's one hell of a goal. That's one <laughs> hell of a number. And again, you know, being an old Marine, I don't even know how many zeros falls into that thing. <laughs> but is the audience, there, there's going to be haters out there, right? Oh, yeah. Because you've never experienced a hater, have you? Oh, welcome to my TikTok. Hello. <laughs> and we're going to oh, talk on no. that one here in a second is... But the haters are out there, and haters are going to be haters. So, like, one of my favorite sayings is, hustle till haters ask if you're hiring, mm-hmm. right? Is that's, you got that drive, and you're, and you're going, and you're going forward, but you're also seeing things from a different view. Like, today's day and age is, if you're not utilizing and leveraging social media mm-hmm. already, you're, you're behind, right? Yes. Now, an advantage that you have, right? Like, this little cell phone thing here. Mm-hmm didn't even exist when I was growing up. I don't mean just a smartphone. I mean a flip phone, anything. Like there was this big old magnet. I can remember when the first one came out, it was like a magnet that went on top of the vehicle and and all of this. So I didn't have those advantages. But what I did see a number of years ago, especially as I entered into helping people buy and sell real estate, was that leveraging social media. Mm -hmm. You were born into the social media age, right? Like, like, I mean, you, you... you were like, yeah, of course. Like, what? Grew up with it. Right. Like, what mm-hmm. do you mean turn on a TV? I don't even know what that is. I've got social media. And one particular social media, TikTok. Oh, I love TikTok. Oh. Uh, no. Now everybody out there, oh, only young girls use TikTok, which that's BS. Go ahead. All of the young girls also use Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. Um, and those have turned into multi-billion dollar companies. So, yeah. Um, it's truly the youth that drives the demand for these things. And then all of the other people just have to jump on. Um, yeah, TikTok is amazing. I love that it's short form video. You're able to connect with these people. But I mean, I've gotten my fair share of hate comments and love comments. I've had uh, 73 year old men. I had a 73 year old man reach out to me this week, ask me if I was hiring and he would like to be my personal assistant. And I was like, that's weird. It was the it was the movie with Robert De Niro, the intern, right? You got the intern. <laughs> yes. So I get messages like that, and I get some, you know, of girls just like I aspire to be like you, and then I get some that are like, "You're lying. How much money did you make last year? Um, hmm. You know, y- you may be hot shot now, but you'll never be Elon Musk. The goal is not to be Elon Musk. The goal is to be Sidney Phillips. Um, I think being compared. To that, I mean, there's a place and a time for it. I get it. That's the only person that they can think of that does crazy things. But, um, yeah, you really have to understand that when people, you know, comment things like that or whenever they try to take a shot at you, 
you're an easy target. I mean, mm-hmm. when you put yourself out there like that, that's part of what I was talking about earlier. You need to be so secure in yourself, not only to run a business, but also in today's age of of just living in the social media age. You need to be so secure in yourself that if someone gets just a bad picture of yourself or, you know, if they comment like, you suck, I hate you, like whatever else, you're fine with it. Um, and I can truly say that I'm, I, I don't give any more weight to the hate comments than I do the love comments. They they are the same. Because in order to not care about something that someone says about you that is awful, you also need to not put too much emphasis on these comments that are, oh, I aspire to be you, I love you, whatever. You have to put them on the same ground. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, so what I hear you saying is you really don't care what others think. No, I'm going to do yeah. what I'm going to do. Yeah. And that's, and that is fantastic because <laughs> and you're absolutely right. So I, I looked up before we came in here is you now have over 105,000 followers on TikTok. Yeah. It's wow. exploding. And by the way, I'd like to point out that you have over 105,000 followers on TikTok and you're not wearing skimpy bathing suits and shaking your ass to get the followers, are you? Nope. I'm nope. talking about stocks and businesses and how I plan out my customer journey maps. I just did a live today whenever we uh, did our beta launch and answered people's questions about um, just my team and what they do and how we delegate tasks. I mean, I really want to peel back the curtain. I think so much of entrepreneurship is glamorized where really and truly when I was 14, I thought, oh, I'm going to be, well, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to wear suits every day, go into an office. All these old guys are going to listen to me. This is going to be awesome. And then you get into the spot and you're like, this is stressful. Um, this is not fun today. Um, so I think, you know, just peeling back the curtain and showing that like, yeah, it's a disaster some days. And some days I do not want to get up, but I get up because my mission is so strong in my mind that that's why I get up. Some days I don't want to work on Zucurry. Some days I hate my business. Some days I hate Phillips and Associates properties, but I get up because the mission of pushing humanity forward is greater than my minute problem. You want to know who doesn't get hate comments? Someone that only has 146 followers, that would be me. <laughs> <laughs> but I know, but, but I see you've only got 50 followers and I'm like, I'm one of those though. I'm following you. <laughs> Although, so Laura thought it would be funny for me to start a TikTok for Hooter Smooch. Yes. My cat. Which everybody's like, you, you're a cat guy? And I was like, I wasn't until I got a Hooter Smooch. And actually, I'm not a cat guy. I'm a Hooter Smooch guy. Mm-hmm. Now, Hooter Smooch, on the other hand, right? <laughs> Hooter Smooch, inside of two weeks, has almost 20% more followers than I do. So what is going on with that? Let's let's, let's break it. down this because I am fascinated by algorithms. I'm fascinated by data. Mm-hmm. And I'm fascinated by how things grow. So here it is, you know, and I'm, well, mine, I mean, I post a couple of goofy things, but I, I post clips of, you know, these episodes, 60-second clips, and it's getting no traction, but there's a lot of people going on there to look at Hooter Smooch giving fist bumps and walking on a leash and all this. Yeah. Right? So so what is it about the algorithms that, that you're learning so far that creates that those followers, mm-hmm. right? You need to keep in mind that these algorithms are, are built and, and people's, you know, how they interact with them are built on two different things. You've got education and entertainment. And and that's why the dancing pictures of these girls in bikinis, which no shame, you've got it, girl, go go do it. <laughs> but but that's why those are doing so well because that fits into the entertainment. I personally kind of fit more into the education. 
So you've got these two different areas. You've got education and entertainment. Essentially what happened is whenever you first post it, um, you should use the appropriate hashtags, um, you know, keywords, tags, whatever. Uh, and it, it'll take a while to kind of find yours. And and whenever it, the algorithm pushes out to that first set of groups, based on that group's initial reaction, if you receive a certain point over, over let's say that you they push out to 1,000 people and 800 people liked it. Oh, people really liked this. They're engaging with it. Now, keep in mind, this is why controversial stuff circulates much faster than good news, um, because the algorithm does not know if it is good or bad. They see a hate comment the same way that they see a love comment. So things that are controversial will automatically get more views, whatever else. And that's why so many people start their own scandals. But pushes Did you out- just say people start their own scandals? Oh, yeah, they do. Nice, nice, oh, nice, yeah, nice. They do. Um, so it pushes out to these different groups and, and based on each level, it'll tear it all out. And that's really how things go viral. So whenever you first push it out to, you know, a thousand people, and let's say that I gave stock advice and I use the hashtag female founder, hashtag stocks, hashtag wealth building. I'm putting myself in a category where those people are most likely to engage with it. Um, you can look at the analytics of, you know, are, are they mostly female found? Mine are, um, actually a pretty perfect mix between male and female, which I was shocked because um, so much of my content is is female founder, you know, things like that. But um, it pushes it out to different groups. And as you go through each one, if you start past certain thresholds, that's how you get things that have like 1.5 million views and um, people blowing up your comments and um, direct messages. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That is, <laughs> God, that is impressive. <laughs> So I'm going to have you push this one out so that way maybe people start downloading my podcast more. Deal. <laughs> I'm totally ride your coattails on this one. Deal. So, so you, you've, is TikTok now, have you been able to translate the advantages of followers and content on TikTok to contribute to business? In the past month of my TikTok kind of taking off in social media, um, not necessarily in my current businesses, but I've been offered a book deal, a TV deal, um, and offered to come speak at tons of different conferences. Um, I think social media should be used as your personal brand. I think a lot of companies, and, and keep in mind, this is my personal opinion. Um, I'm not an expert marketer, growth hacker, whatever, but I truly believe that the social media that you do should be based on you as a person. It should, and if you're open to sharing those things. Now, some people, you know, want private lives, and that's fine. Um, create a persona. I don't know. Uh, but I put all of myself out there online. So I'm very comfortable with, you know, those things in the spotlight. And I think that whenever you, you're putting out these content, it should be you and your face and who you are as a person so that they can attach, you know, oh, Jeremy tells me about real estate and all of these crazy action stories and he sounds like he's Forrest Gump and I really like his stories. <laughs> so now they're going to follow you based on that. Oh, and also he runs these companies. Um, I think whenever we shove, this is my business, buy it. People go, whoa, bro, I'm, ch I'm chilling on the couch right now. I need you to calm down. Um, 
I think I think anytime that a business has put an actual face to it, you, th- you think about all the successful ones, right? Uh, SpaceX, Tesla, have Elon Musk in front of it. You either love them or hate them, and you either love or hate SpaceX. It creates loyalty. Um, same thing with Amazon, face in front of it, Jeff Bezos. Uh, same thing with Microsoft, uh, even Spanx, Sarah Blakely. She has created a phenomenal brand um, and just an, a cult-like following of these women because they absolutely love her. And you know what she posts? Not about her business. She posts about her her crazy husband who goes on these retreats with monks and how he packs an entire suitcase of bananas because he doesn't know if their bananas are going to be fine. I mean, people fall in love with the people. They don't fall in love with your business the same way that you're in love with your business. That is, you know, it, <laughs> this is what I, this is, this is one of the things I love about this. <laughs> um, is this, is that example that you just gave? Hmm is based on seven years of business acumen, not 14 to 21-year-old Sydney. Yeah. And that's the part that people are missing out on because you just broke down mm-hmm. something that can increase revenue, increase profits, that can increase business, that can do things that make an impact. And people are so worried about pigeonholing you into somewhere that they don't realize is that you actually have seven years of business acumen that you're able to take social media and deploy that to be very beneficial, right? And I do think that this world is evolving and changing. Now, you're a unicorn, <laughs> right? Yeah. And I'm not just saying that because, you know, I care about you, mm-hmm. right? And I care about your success. So you're a unicorn because if you count how many people started at 14 and already have seven years of business acumen at 21 in the CEO of their companies, there's just not that many folks out there. Usually when you hear about somebody doing successful at 14, that maybe got an, they, they, they got an MD and their doctor, Doogie Hauser, right? Or, <laughs> do you even know who Doogie Hauser is? No. You don't. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, I just dated myself. Oh, that's horrible that's for gonna, me. That's going to be the clip I post on TikTok. Oh, that's going to be the part <laughs> that I'm going to tell AJ to cut out of this thing. <laughs> but no, oh, you hear him about becoming a champion chess player or or whatever. You don't hear about someone at 14 goes, I'm going to go into business. This is what I'm going to do. And then gets that gets that distance, right? So for you, as much as you've accomplished in seven years, right? You still got another nine years to go before you hit three O, mm-hmm. which is seven years plus two, right? Math for Marines. Yep. Um, what does that look like for the next nine years? Or or let's call it because you're eight, you're 21, eight months. Yeah, let's call it eight years before mm-hmm. you actually hit 30 years yeah. of age. What's the plan? To build the things that other people are scared to build. Okay. Well, a- a- actually, let's, let's, let's dive in a little bit, a little bit more <laughs> there. It's like, what's, what's the, I mean, like, what's the path? What's the plan? I mean, obviously, so, so my overarching mission is, is to push humanity forward by whatever means possible and to impact a billion people. Um, I tend to fall under a theme of space, whether that be in real estate, whether that be spatial computing and augmented and virtual reality, uh, whether that be, you know, actual space. I 
absolutely love doing the things that are completely irrationally difficult. Um, I think I will undoubtedly start another couple couple of tech companies um, and put life on other other levels. I, I however you can raise a billion people is how I'm going to do it. And that doesn't always come at the same time. I mean, some, even, you know, Zucuri. I had been I had been thinking about blockchain and cryptocurrency for years and reading books and whatever else. And it wasn't until I came up with the idea of Zucuri that I figured out, oh my gosh, I was researching all of that blockchain so that I would know enough about AI and machine learning to be able to automate an entirely augmented and re- virtual reality company. That's why I was learning that. Um, so, in short, I have no idea. And that is probably the most exciting part about it. That's a candid answer. Mm-hmm. And that's the one thing you can't lose. Yeah. Is candor, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> who's the biggest liar in the room? Yourself. The one in the mirror, right? Mm-hmm. And we all lie to ourselves. Yeah. So, you got to you, you gotta be able to keep that, that crowdedness. So, now... Most other folks, now if we bring time back into being less relative and actual age-based, right? So naturally, if you're sitting here talking to another 21-year-old girl, the chances of them already having seven years of business acumen is not likely, right? Yeah. So they don't have that experience yet. So let's say you got a fellow 21-year-old female graduating TCU that wants to do business, even though you've got seven years on them and you're wired different, you're a unicorn, (laughs) is what do you tell someone that wants to go into business and try to do things at that point? You know. (sighs) Or is that harder to comprehend because you're you're, you're designed a lot different? I just don't think that my advice portrays to the average person. I mean, I, I truly, I don't know how to break it down in my head of, of the cloud and the ticker and, and how each level breaks down because that is the way that my brain works and other people's brain fits into mine and right. And we can, we can coerce and, and talk and, and bounce ideas off of and everything else. But I think that my path is one that is rare and and while it may be, you know, from the outside and from TikTok, it may look really awesome and cool and whatever else, there's a lot of hard decisions behind the curtain. And there's a lot of, you know, tougher moments. And I think that I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. I, I wish that I was wired differently. I wish that I could be happy in a you know, nine to five job and maybe I would have like a work-life balance and whatever the hell that means um, and, and, you know, have it all, quote unquote. My have it all has always been different. Um, the way that I thought about success has always been different. So I can't even answer that because I don't know what other people's definition of success is. So one of the sayings that I have <laughs> that I stole from Garth Brooks is, Everything that's a blessing is also a curse. Yeah. But then again, everything that's a curse, also blessing, right? Mm-hmm. So, 
the curse that you, the burden you carry is also comes with some pretty nice perks and everything else. Right. Yeah. But what, what's really funny. And this is the best compliment that I know that I, I, I receive is when someone looks at me and just goes, man, you make that look easy. Yes. And what they don't realize is on a, on a slow week, seven days, mm-hmm. right? How many hours do you put in? Probably 80, 80 on a slow week. Yep. Um, on a fast, on a busy week, I'll sleep five hours a night and I will be in the office every single moment. Yeah. Now that is the part that most people aren't willing to do. Yes. And as a matter of fact, that reminds me. I remembered I, I, I wanted to send this video to you. Um, you can't play it in front of other people because it's got some harsh language in it. Okay. But it's one of those, I guess you could call it a motivational. It's C.T. Fletcher. He used to be the strongest man on the planet. Oh, right? cool. And, uh, and it's, actually, it's actually a, uh, um, a pretty good. So let me put C.T. Fletcher. Um, let's see. All right, I am going to send this to you so that way you can watch this later, right? Let me share. Sydney, that way, because you know me, I'm ADD, Forget. like a squirrel on methamphetamine. Me right? too, um, me too. But I want you to, actually what we'll do, since uh, you're going to give me a ride to the airport, we'll probably listen to it on the right way to the airport. Deal. Is this, um, but it's talking about, the, the thing about C.T. Fletcher is he became the strongest man on the planet. By the way, he did it again after he had a heart attack and the doctor said, you ain't going to ever do that again. You're never going to lift another weight again. Hell yeah. And he was like, look, I was able to go do that because I was willing to do what others aren't willing to do. Mm-hmm. I was willing to sacrifice what others aren't willing to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. I was willing to go beyond, you know, mm-hmm. y'all can fight over second place. First place is mine. mine mm-hmm. Right. And, and that's a mentality. Right. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, that's almost like an ethos, a mentality of <laughs> you and I often giggle when we hear 40 hour work week, right? Or like, oh, what? For, what? what is that? I, I have that by Wednesday. <laughs> I didn't realize until probably seven months ago. I, I didn't realize that whenever people said um, a nine to five is not for me, I didn't realize that they meant work less, not more. I had no idea. And I was in a, I was in a meeting with someone and, and we were talking and they were like, yeah, the nine to five is not for me. Like, I like, you know, the work-life balance. And I was like, oh, you, like, do you do 80? You mean like 80? And they were like, no, 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 like 30. And I was like, <laughs> what? I was like, that's hey, not by, even enough for one company. By the way, if you are listening to this episode, <laughs> you should fast forward on YouTube to see the look that Sydney just gave her face at that. I was. I, I just found that out seven months yeah. ago. Um, yeah. yeah I, I I think it's hard because you're you're wired differently. And especially, you know, as we as we've talked about, you know, 14, my entire life changed. 14 to 21 even now. I mean, I to be honest, I get along with the 60-year-old retired C-suite specs execs a little better because at least, we're, you know, we can talk about, hey, you buying that building in, in Alabama? You know who owns that? Whatever. And I don't know how to talk about my nails and I don't care. Let's talk about more important things. 
Yeah. And that's, and that's one of the big focuses that I have for you, right? There's, there's nothing I'm going to be able to teach you in business. Yeah. Matter of fact, Chris Jamis and I were talking about that last night. He's like, well, what can we help her out in business? I was like, dude, she's already forgot more about business than you and I are going to learn in the, what is the rest of our lives. Right. It's that, Hey, what, how do we, how do we help you not run yourself in the ground? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and it's because I know that I will, I will, I have done that to myself many, many times mm-hmm. where, you know, I, as you know, I outpunted my coverage and I, I won the lottery. Mm-hmm. I am married to the most incredible woman on the planet who's designed actually opposite of me. As mm-hmm. I say, it was funny because, you know, you saw Lane and we, yeah. why you should have a defense attorney. And I was like, well, the reason you have a defense attorney is in case Laura is on vacation because I'm probably going to do something. To save me. Right? Uh-huh. And, and so, but to, to not run yourself into the ground because we're not really good with limitations. We're not really good with stop signs mm-hmm. or speeding tickets. Oh, I get plenty of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we talked about that one a couple of weeks ago. But it's because what good can we do the planet? If yeah. we've run ourselves down in the ground where we weren't able to do what it was we were set out to do, right? But I'll tell you what, and, and then maybe this is, you might bite me for this, but in my mind, I think, well, I invested in my mind enough that I grew my mind to the point where I could lose it all tomorrow. I could lose every single thing, and just for the fun of it, I'd build it back up. Oh, well, yeah, that's, that's a given. You like, know? What's really funny, too, is... <laughs> So I have a saying in business, which is I have two core values. Mm-hmm. You must trust me and want to work with me just like I must trust you and want to work with you. That's the value exchange. One-sided is lopsided, lopsided. You're in the convincing business. I don't have the time and energy to convince. I don't have the time and energy to be convinced. But as long as we have that value exchange, then your financial interest is always going to be more important than my financial interest because I can do that because the money's going to naturally follow as long as I'm doing the right thing, right? Mm-hmm. So it's that pushing forward. So I do see the world of ones and zeros. I do the financial analysis and all of that. And Laura laughs because in our own, in our own wealth, she's like, in our own, you don't know the difference between a dollar, 10, hundred thousand, 10,000, hundred thousand million. She was like, it, it is. And I was like, because I'm not, I'm not materialistic. Do I have nice things? Yeah. Do I like getting nice stuff? Yeah. But if it was all swept away tomorrow, I'd be like, all right, well, let's go build it again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's this mentality, and and I think that was another thing that was, like, there ever since 14, and, and that shift of, all right, if someone does take this from me, if I lose everything, let's say I, I screw up big time because I'm big risk taker, right? <laughs> big risk taker, don't take me to Vegas. Yeah. Um, And let's say I screw up and I lose every single thing. I wanted to make sure that by the time I was 20, I could build everything. By myself, and and if I, and if I invest in this, then I have nothing to be scared of. Yeah, because um, I can always figure it out. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing that uh, that real estate between your years is really the most important real estate, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that's also the hardest part to keep saying. Yeah, tell me about that. When you hear that, what is that? Where does that make you go? Um. Running seven businesses will make you insane. It will. And there are a lot of people, you know, um, it's kind of like what you said. I'm not in the convincing business. Um, and I'm also not, don't have time to, 
be convinced. You either think I'm crazy and you don't want to be a part of my businesses, and that's fine. Watch from the sidelines. I'll show up on your Discover page. (laughs) (laughs) Not interested in convincing you. Um, People also think Elon, crazy as hell. I think he's brilliant. Um, I think there has to be certain things that you do to regain your sanity just for yourself. And as long as you think you're sane, who cares? Yeah. Um, you know, the line between genius and madness is a very thin line. And uh, Michael Sherrod actually taught me that. Um, and we spoke very in-depth one, one day about the line between madness and genius. Um, and I tend to walk that line. And I enjoy that. Um, sometimes does it push you over the edge? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to push you over the edge. But if you don't know where the edge is, how do you know that you got there? Yeah. And Michael's episode dropped a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Or was it? Maybe it was last week. Last or a couple week. Of, was it last week? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you already listen to his? Oh, yes. Yeah. He's an impressive guy. He has been my my cheerleader through yeah. college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it is. I mean, it's, and I imagine that's got to be hard for you too, because there's a lot of wolves and sheep's clothing out there, right? Yeah. My guess is, is you probably experienced one, two or 10 or 20 or a hundred of those. Dry thousand. Uh-huh. Dry thousand. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and and so what do you do to have a radar for that? Does that mean you got to keep a high guard or what, what what do you do to try to protect yourself from that? Invest in this. Okay. When when I am I chose from the very beginning that I was going to be 100% myself. And there would be certain things that I wouldn't disclose or you know certain personal things that I'm not going to go, you know, tell everyone, but I tend to be an oversharer. Um, <laughs> By the way, Laura loves that. When it, when I told her. <laughs> Let that me just overshare uh, this. Uh, she was like, oh, God, that, yeah, that's what you do is overshare. Yeah. Um, because I am 100% myself, and there is so much happening in my head at all times of the cloud and then the ticker and then each each leg off of it. I don't have time to look at you and say, I'm not supposed to tell you this. I'm supposed to tell you this. I don't have time for that. Everything that is in here, if it's good enough, if it made it through the cloud, through the ticker and then tuition and everything else, it's coming. Um, So I choose to be 100% myself. And there are times that I'm going to be screwed over for that. And I know even somebody listening to this episode might screw me over just because they, they know that they can. But in the end... I think each time my intuition gets better. The juice is worth the squeeze. And I train myself to that ticker gets better and better and better until eventually when I'm 25, hopefully, um, that thing is solid tight. And, you know, and that's, that's the importance of not losing who you are. Yeah. You know, being able to still do that is, I've always been a little different. (laughs) You and I talk about, you know, you can't be wired like we are without being a little different, seeing the world different, wired different and everything Mm -hmm. else. And, and that's why it was so important to have, when people hear about Laura, they think, oh, Jeremy's wife. Well, more than that. Yeah. She's my best friend. She's my advisor. She's my confidant, my business partner and all my businesses because she's the one that keeps me from just running it into the ground, right? Losing your mind. Losing your mind. But she's never, ever once 
try to do or prevent or create any barriers that I couldn't be me. Yeah. Now, you probably got quite a few people going up there and like, what the hell are you thinking? You know, mm-hmm. like, you know, but, but that's the importance is having that essence of who we are. And we're willing to take the risk of like, Hey, if I get burned by somebody, I would rather be burned by one, but gained 99. Yes. That it's worth it. But where experience comes in is when, when the balances start to shift where it's 99 burning only for one gain. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is also something we have to be very, very careful. Of, right. Yeah. Is because we can chase the rabbit yeah. and forget the damage we're causing along the way. Leave it is is what I like to call leaving bodies on the side of the road, yeah. right? And, and we do we have to be careful of that. Mm-hmm. Be careful leaving bodies on the side of the road because it's not that it was done intentionally. And Chris and I had a long conversation about this. We were going back and forth on something, and I says, "No, man, look, we're judged on the results of our actions, not our intentions." And we were talking about a particular business topic and he was trying to break it down. I said, stop trying to justify it. Look, you're a good guy. I believe you and everything else. I was like, but let's simplify this. Judge on the results of our actions, not our intentions. Because mm-hmm. if we were judging our intentions, we'd be the greatest people on earth. Yeah. But what happens is we get so hyper-focused on trying to achieve things that that does happen. Oh, yeah. Bodies get left on the side of the road. Which is also another reason I'm here to try to help you prevent leaving too many bodies on the side of the road. Or I'm going to get that call at 2 o'clock in the morning. And he's like, need you to grab that shovel. Body bags. Lanterns. (laughs) I do have a 12-pack of beer for you. And we probably should call Landon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Just this week. Um. Things were absolutely insane. My mom was blowing up my phone and she's like, are you alive? Are you alive? And and I so, uh, got so obsessive and focused and was like, you know what? I've got launch this week. I've got my team is depending on me. I need to get through this entire customer journey. I'm not talking to anyone. So I saw her call and I said, I'll be back in a week. Um, just today on my way here, I was like, hey, I am alive, by the way. I'm fine. Whatever. But yeah, I mean, the, the obsession and the hyper focus is a double-edged sword. I get stuff done. <laughs> oh boy, do I get stuff done. And it makes me thrilled. Um, started seven businesses, wrote a children's book. I have my own podcast. I'm writing a book right now. Just got offered a TV deal. Like, so much is happening. Um, at the same time, I mean, ask me when I went to drinks last with a friend. I wouldn't be able to tell you. I wouldn't. When was the last time you did something for you? Does this sound like a conversation that we had maybe Monday before last? Yes, but in my mind, all of the businesses are for me. Yeah. Because they're they're all pushing towards that mission. Yeah. And so for me, it's like, well, of course it's me time. I'm, yeah. I'm building my business. This is me time. Like, this yeah. is what I want to be doing. Um. I, I was I was cracking up because I was meeting with my wealth manager and, and she was like, you know, let's set aside a 401k and let's talk about retirement. And I go, retirement? I go, listen, <laughs> the day I retire, just shoot me. Just shoot me. I'm done. Like, that's well, game over. And, and, that's, and, and that brings up a good point <laughs> is, so one of the things you and I have been talking about is having the two circles. Yeah. The ones that make all your financial decisions so that way you don't have to worry about jacking with that, having the personal banker, the wealth manager, the CPA, mm-hmm. the the uh, uh, civil attorney, the defense attorney, just in case, not that any of us attend, and then the fave five. Yes. Right? The five people that are going to 
help you give gain perspective that aren't going to lie to you, aren't going to tell you what you want to hear and everything else. Mm-hmm. Because one is you don't want it to all go away. If it does, we or we can always rebuild we'll it, it, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't want it to just do it just for giggles, right? Yeah. But also having the people that you can trust that that do that, right? So yeah. So time is not a lot of something that you have. What do you do to try to protect or control your time? What are some of the measures that you currently use? Well, one not that thing, we won't talk about it over the next couple of weeks, but for the time being. <laughs> one of the things that you taught me is, um, you know, separating out who gets your time. And if they disrespect it, there will be punishments for that. I mean, I am, you know. Let's call them consequences. Consequences. <laughs> consequences. Um, can you tell that I'm harsh and stubborn? Oh, I, know, and I know, I know, I know. Um, yeah, I mean, separating it out in, into different tiers of saying, okay, this isn't an intro call. You get 15 minutes. If if you disrespect my time, I'm not going to give it to you again. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, especially, and we talked about this earlier, the way that I look, a blonde, 21-year-old, they don't assume that I have seven years of business experience. If you told them all the business I ran, they'd probably call me a liar. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Um, and basically just making them respect your time is probably my biggest challenge. But, but I, I truly pick different days for each thing. So to answer your question, uh, Monday through Friday, I focus on Zucuri and I have an entire board of each role. I mean, keep in mind, I'm the startup founder CEO. Um, so I have each board and I, and I separate it out by CEO, CTO, product director, um, operations, sales, marketing, and customer relationship management. And I have each core responsibility, task, and then other things that I need to do. And throughout that week, I'll just, I'll be like, today I'm a CEO. I'm going to focus on those things and go through that. Um, Saturdays are all personal brand, um, focusing on the podcast and and public speaking and, and everything else. Um, Sundays are the other businesses. So I start at 5 a.m. and I go until about uh, 7 p.m., 8 p.m. And I just knock it out. And I'm like, four hours, Midwest Pearl. What do we need done? Um, it, but other than that, I mean, I truly, and and you've learned this from working with me, um, I run my mach- my businesses like a machine where I would much rather... Um, be able to build quantity and quality at the same time where I'm building machines and programs and processes that allow me to not have to hire a massive team and allows a machine who can work 110 hours a week and doesn't need paid vacation and isn't going to work 40 hours a week. Um, I prefer investing in the technology behind it so that those things are ran seamlessly and they really only require my attention and my touch points where they need a CEO or they need the decision. Man, so let's go. <laughs> you know how I like to end my podcast. Yes. Is, now, normally, many of folks, and I say, what would you tell 20-year-old self? So, going back. What would you tell 20-year-old self? Well, 20-year-old self was a year ago. (laughs) Um, So, um, 
I guess I'll go back to my 14-year-old self because to me, that's really when it began. I mean, for other people, 21 is, your 20 is normally whenever you're you're starting your career. To me, that was 14. Okay. So if I had to tell my 14-year-old self something, um, it would definitely be to take every single shot. Um, I think we have this fascination with these inventors and these businessmen and they're talked about in all of these history books and, you know, their quotes clutter Pinterest and everybody has one that speaks to them and you save it on your iPhone for a little bit. Um, I think even just looking at the startup statistics, right? So you say, okay, nine out of 10 businesses will fail in the first five years. The next 10 years, nine out of 10 will fail again. Well, you start 60 businesses, you're guaranteed to have at least one. And, and that's just assuming that your odds don't get better. I think as you fail and as you build more businesses, your odds get better and better that you're going to have more successes. Um, if I had to give myself advice, it would be don't think of it as a one shot. If, if, if you're standing at a basketball court and your coach says, you've got one shot. If you don't make this, you're not on the team. If you do make this, you're on it. Versus if they say, you've got 20 shots. Show me what you can do. Think about it like that. Um, some things are not going to be aligned with your mission. Sometimes you're going to start businesses and then you're going to get halfway through it and things are going to get hard and you're going to say, you know, I actually kind of don't like this business. That was me with a, with a, at a cocktail company. I was 20 years old and I started a cocktail company. Can't, come on. Um, and I realized very quickly, this is, this isn't my mission. This isn't pushing humanity forward. And it's okay to give up on something. It's okay to say, eh, you know what? That one wasn't for me. Let's try again. Um, the more shots you take, the more chances you have. And I think a lot of times people try to scare you with those statistics of like, nine out of 10 businesses fail and, you know, most women won't become CEO and all of these statistics, right? And they love to throw them in your face. There's always some expert that'll tell you how it can't be done. Um, and then you do it. And then you show them how it was done. So, for, <laughs> which, this is, and this just now, like, I don't know why this just now resonated with me is <laughs> normally my guess at my age would be, you know, we do the tell 21 year old, 20 year old self yeah. would be telling you, and you're, you're already ahead of the game with a level of wisdom. Thank you. <laughs> a, a, an incredible level of wisdom that actually what's going to happen is some of my guests that have already been uh, on here are probably, probably going to go, hey, wait a minute, I, would, I wouldn't even even known to give myself that kind of good advice. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's how far ahead of the game you are. All right, Thanks. so people want to learn about Sydney Phillips. Where do, where, what do they do? Is there a website? We naturally know TikTok. What is the TikTok handle? It's at Sydney Phillips, S-Y-D-N-E-Y-P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S. Okay, so. Um, that's my TikTok. Okay, give Website, me the rest. if you can look, you can see everything that I'm doing. So all the businesses that I talked about today, um, you can see everything about that on thesydneyphillips.com, um, Zucuri, Z-U-K-U-R-R-I.com is my augmented and virtual reality startup. That and your podcast. Okay. And then the Pink Soup podcast, which is on Spotify, Apple Podcast, anywhere and everywhere you listen as well. And just in case you might forget 
or she was talking so fast you didn't quite hear it, you can always go to myexperiencedrealtor.com. That's experience with an ED. Myexperiencedrealtor.com. Scroll on down to the episode with Sydney Phillips. Hit the read more and you will have access to all these links. Thank you so much for coming in, Sydney. Thank, Thank you, you for your time. I know you are busy. You're busier than any, <laughs> any other seven-year experienced CEO that I know. Yep. So thanks again for coming in. Thank you. Have a good day. All right. You too. Yes. Would you-